Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Surak Obama. Never heard of it? That's right. You have not. That's my new rap name. You may have not heard of me now, but you wait. I'm going to be the next M franchise boys. Today, on the anecdotal experience, this is the second time I'm re I'm recording this because I kept saying hallucinogenics. I don't think that's a word. I think it's hallucinogens. Right? The email, the anecdotal experience at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me how much of a dummy I am. Today's guest, Steve Van Cleek. Steve and I are talking about hallucinogenics. Kidding. We're not, I don't think that's a word, but we're talking about how he did like an ayahuasca ceremony and how that has helped him regain perspective, how it's helped him reset um, different things that have happened in his life that have caused him to lose faith, then regain his faith. What helps? What do you do when you're desperate? What do you do? You do drastic things. Drastic times call for drastic measures. You gotta reset, you gotta burn it down. You're gonna love this. I'm re-recording this intro. Let's do this with my friend, Steve Van Cleef. Um, Very cool. But yeah, dude, let's uh, let's get into it, man. I, yeah, I, I was listening to those recordings you sent me and I was trying to think like, what would be the like the most uh interesting angle for the podcast but i definitely i definitely okay and it kind of goes back to you being a biblical studies major and um kind of staying staying with it dude like staying with the faith and not losing faith and still being yeah uh you're okay so yeah being being a christian but also having your own thoughts and ideas and uh, you know, dealing with the stuff you've been through. So I think that's that's what I always find fascinating is how people, because how old are you? Uh, 34. Yeah, and how you've like stayed stayed in it, man. So Just barely though, man, just barely. Well, yeah, that's, uh, so what's, what's your, we can start right now. Like what's your relationship with, god or do you even say that anymore is that how christians talk like what is your re relationship to your faith and also like how you and your wife and your family what the relationship with like church and christianity is in in that dynamic you know yeah well that's a big one yeah. so i'll be honest of, of all the things i floated out to you this is probably the most sensitive one which you probably picked up on because you're good at what you do maybe but like it, it's like Hmm. It's, it's tenuous. My relationship with like Christianity is tenuous, but it's not what I found, what I found like over the last probably like eight to 10 years, maybe, maybe more like five to eight years is that the thing that makes Christianity like really difficult and the things that have made me like, nah, I'm like, this is, this is bullshit. Like I'm, I'm out, I'm done is all, it's the, all the people. Like, you okay. know, it's, it's, it's not the, I don't know, like, it, I get the, like, like the people that can't handle, like, the literal 
like fantastic claims and miracles of the stories sure. and things like that. Okay. Like I, I can understand that, that protest, but the people like just reinforce, like if this was really a transformative thing, then why are like all these kids getting molested? Right. Right. Or like just recently, like the Southern Baptist convention, like this, like 900 some cases of like sexual abuse from people that are like, volunteers or in the ministry in texas alone like it's just a texas case yeah and the numbers are like astronomical and and so that was that was basically why why i was done for the most part like i was i was basically like an atheist for like half of a year it was like a slow like kind of a slow fade Mm -hmm. because i just didn't see it man especially up in indiana like I really tried, like, we had a church that was pretty cool up there that was really for, like, Christians kind of, like, on the fringes, like, on the way out. And uh, on the way out or, like, on the way in, but, like, not, like, mainstream, right? Sure. And that's kind of been my relationship with it and with Christianity in general is that the mainstream, like, mainstream Christians still kind of weird me out. And, and And I just feel, it feels, it just feels, like, forced and fake in a lot of ways. And we never really could find a church where we felt like, like people were actually like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Like no, we couldn't feel like people that were like authentic. Like you look at, you look at what, how, how Jesus moved right in the gospels. It, like he was upsetting the power structure with everything that he said, with who he hung out with, with the words that he said, with how he behaved. Like he's accused of being like a drunkard multiple times and like being demon possessed. And there's all kinds of like, he's on the fringes. Like he's, he's not mainstream, right. For the time right. at all. And, and, and that like all kept standing out to me a lot. And then when I looked at the, the American, like mainstream American church. And it was just, it was, I think it, what it really was is I just had seen it was completely co-opted. It was like a complete, it was like a cultural slash political movement. It wasn't really a spiritual movement. And it's still, I'm still not sure that it is. And it wasn't until we moved down here where I actually found we like, I love our church. I love our faith community down here. It's everything I've been looking for for like 20 years like unapologetically like open to everyone everyone's allowed we let people leave like i'm pretty good friends with our pastor and he's like just so you know like people leave over this stuff yeah like when we say like everyone's allowed some people like come to me on the side and say do you mean everyone like are these these gay dudes allowed yeah they're allowed yeah and they bail like they leave the church and he's like see ya like he's fine with that so like like we find like i finally found a so I feel like, yeah, there's, that's Jesus. Like that's, that's how I, that's how I read this text. That's how I see this movement happening. Like finally, but, it, but I'll be honest. I understand why people are feel like it's all bullshit right? because it's, it took me my whole life. Like I've been a Christian my whole life and it took me my whole life to find one little community. It's like, it's a church of 700, but you know, it's across three services. So it, it feels a lot smaller than that. And it took me like my whole life. I'm 34 years old to find a community where I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, here's an, uh, here are people that actually love everybody, like literally everybody. And like, that's the rule. The rule is you got to love everybody. And um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it's, totally. it's I guess the answer is it's complicated. <laughs> right. Like, I, I see a lot that I really hate. And I, I mean, I have like my best friend's a Hindu. 
mm-hmm. and we have all kinds of interesting conversations. And my brother is an atheist agnostic, like my older brother, who's one of my other friends. And, and I hear all of their complaints about my own faith tradition and I don't disagree with them. Um, but I do think that underneath that, underneath the, the structure that was kind of built on top of things, there's something true, like that's really authentic and that can bring legitimate transformation. We have just done a real damn good job of covering it over, corrupting it, co-opting it, turning it into its own power structure in a different way and, and deciding who's in and who's out. And in a weird way, taking, (laughs) taking the words of Jesus, who was literally saying, no, like everyone's in. And those of you that are in power, that think you can see, you actually can't. Like right. the people who think they can see are actually blind, right? And he flips everything. I mean, that's why they killed him, right? Like he was just, he was co-opting the whole power structure with this different message. And they thought they had it all sorted out. And so that's how I see Christianity. I see it as like a subversive movement. And I, and I don't think it's because like I'm reading the Bible wrong or that like my spirit is moving like against the grain. I think it's, I think I've finally synced up with it, you know, and I finally have a community that's synced up with it and we kind of like feed each other and we're okay with the, like the mainstream Christians that are really just building, you know, tribes and homogenous little like groups that they feel comfortable being around. Like we're, we can see that for what it is and say, that's not what we are, you know, which by the way, (laughs) <laughs> for all your like skeptical listeners, I totally understand. This is like the no true Scotsman fallacy yeah. writ large, right? Yeah. I get it. I get it. But I'm just, this is my experience. My experience is everyone who says that they're Christians doesn't actually follow the model of Jesus. And I don't know how else to say it than that. Yeah. I think that's, what's interesting to me. It's this, um, it, it, there's the Christian culture, a ra- that's like kind of wrapping around the Bible and it's gotten so thick that I think I'm trying, I'm trying to like detach from it and look at the Bible and Christianity in a way th- that I don't associate it with the wrapper of just <clears throat> super lame Christians, you know? Yeah. Which is really hard. Yeah. Cause all the examples we have are like, not just like, like super, I didn't want to say super lame at this point. Like, sexual predators like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying like wolves like it's the stuff that we see come out of organized religion is 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 legitimately poisonous like i and ironically um i'm kind of a fan of sam harris mm-hmm. who's he's who's who's probably the most like articulate and maybe gentle like the four horsemen i'm not sure if you're familiar with kind of the the movement with uh, dawkins and dan Dennett and him um, but I mean, their complaints about Christian, about religion being bad, they, they, their data points are real. Right. Right. Like you, you can't, we can't just ignore that. Even me, who's like, I'm a Christian. Sure. And I think, I think it's to our own detriment to ignore it. And I don't think I was just talking with, uh, with my buddy who's my, um, that I was telling you about who's a, who's a Hindu. And I, I was telling him that. Like I'm reading a book right now by uh, a guy named Pete Ends, um, and it's it hasn't. La- I'm part of a launch the launch team, and I'm actually a pretty shitty member because I haven't finished it yet. And a lot of people are posting reviews already, mm-hmm. but it's really good. It's 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 he's like 
reframing like the Bible, how we approach the Bible. And I think he's right. I think it's a, it's a really awesome book. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good for a lot of people, but he talks about how, and not necessarily in the book, but like on his podcast and other places, he talks about how like Christianity is full of like reformer and fringe people, uh, like coming forward, including like in the old Testament, like the, you know, like the Jewish text, that's part of the Christian text that there's like the prophets for all these like fringe people that came forward and basically told a whole nation that like way off base. Right. And like, they, like just stood like a sole voice in the middle of like a bunch of just really shitty observance and not doing things that, the way that they know they were supposed to be doing it. And a lot of the complaints that they level against Israel, like in all these different time periods is like, they're not loving their neighbor. They're not taking care of foreigners that come and visit. Right. There's right. like, they're, they're not, they, they've missed the plot entirely. Like they totally, they totally have forgotten what it is that they're called to be, like what sets them apart. And I don't know why the church, like the modern Christian church seems to think that everyone kind of nodding in agreement to the same ideas is what this thing's actually about. Instead of about this sort of constant flow of like disruption and then a new structure kind of starts to form and then somebody stands up and says, oh, hey, like we just did it again. Like we're just like a new like breed of Pharisee, right? We just started. We just built new borders and boundaries and said they're out and we're in. Yeah, and with, you know what I'm saying? Like I we do. just keep like we keep like falling into the same strange like pattern and rhythm. You know, I do, and, and I like, yeah, I've seen that. I know exactly, especially with uh, if people don't know what the Pharisees were, they're basically just super judgmental, hyper religious people who uh, got their you know social their social standing was from how religious they were. And they right. would they would feel good about casting judgment on other people, and it's funny that they we you know you learn about them when you're in church and stuff, and then you know like you said you take a step back and you realize oh that's that you re- you realize like Jesus was kind of a freak you know, and he would have been the type of person that these people you know would have judged they would have called him a freak they would have called him you know fake or you know, a sinner or whatever. And then you, re- it's, it's, it's just interesting to me that you, the Pharisees, you see it for what it is. And you realize that you came from, you were a Pharisee. At least I was, you know? Yeah, I was too. Yeah. I, I just had this conversation with my dad who was kind of on a similar path too. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's part of the deal. I think, I think, and that's kind of part of this book that I'm reading is this like, that the point of the Bible isn't to be this prescriptive law book, but it's it's a call into wisdom. Right. Like these all these different scenarios throughout time of people that are really interested in doing things right by the divine. Right. Right. Yep. And and in each of their time slices and periods, they're wrestling with it. And what we do when we read back into it is we bring wisdom to bear to the text and figure out like what is the, what does it look like now? Like what is the message for now? Right. In this, that's kind of like the gist of this book, and. Um, I like that approach because I think I've already been doing that. Yeah. And that's like the first time I've heard someone like super way smarter than me, put it down, like, you know, in, in writing and say, I think this is what we're missing because what we keep doing is going to the text and saying, which, Oh, these, Oh, look, this is written here. This is a law for all of time. And here's this thing. And this is a law for all of time. And this is a law for all of time. And that's just like, we just kind of just conjured that out of the air that that's how we should handle 
the all these ancient writings and letters and stories, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of we we've decided that's how we should take these texts, but it's not like explicit that that's the way that that's the best way to handle these or the right way to handle these. And um, I don't know, I like that, and so I don't know, like I I feel like I just well, that's a long rant for my relationship with Christianity right now, but it's, oh, yeah, I, like I said, it, it's complicated, but I do think there's, I think, and I've experienced some real authentic, like transformation and movement and not just movement, but like movement into like deeper love. And I think that's the ultimate indicator that if there's a God and if you believe like, I mean, the Bible says it outright that, God is love, and not even the not just the Bible. There's other faith, lots of faith traditions. That's this is how it's perceived. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if Islam does. Um, mm. It's a little bit. I, I haven't studied it as much, but like my buddy who's a Hindu, like we we jive in a lot of different ways. <clears throat> and my older brother dated a um, a Pakistani who was Parsi, and we he, we've kind of talked about that a little bit as well, or Zoroastrian actually. We talked about like some of the interesting parallels that you start to see kind of cross mesh, you know, into these different faith systems where love kind of bubbles up and rises to the top as a central kind of tenet. So I think if you're moving into, as you're moving into love, like you're moving closer to the divine. Uh, I haven't seen anything to indicate otherwise. Yeah, I think so too. I've kind of, as I, like I said, I've kind of taken a step back from you know, what I grew we pretty much grew up in the same thing. We were at the same college for a year, but taking mm-hmm. a step back from that, I look and I'm seeing, <clears throat> you know, I've pretty much decoupled any sort of ideology that I, I receive from the Bible. And I can try, I'm trying to take a look at life and say, what what's going on here? Like, what are we all doing? Like, what is the right answer and what's the wrong answer? And kind of what you were saying, the closest thing I've come to is the... I think ideally we're supposed to feel each other's joy and feel each other's pain. Um, And I think that sort of connection in order to like helping our neighbor, I think the idea of feeling the emotion of someone else is the point and being able to like, you know what I mean? It's not like, Oh, you did a good thing for another person. So you feel good about yourself. It's like, yeah, I guess you kind of did, but the joy is the fact that you can experience someone else's joy and you can experience someone else's pain uh, and connect in that way. And and then kind of going back to what you were saying about organized religion, for me, it it was very rule focused. It was very focused on like doing, not sinning or either not sinning or coming up with a good excuse for why you're not actually, do you know what I mean? Justifying whatever. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it yeah. just, it just feel to me, it just felt like what, like who cares? Like it did that, like following the rules, I don't think matters. They're more of a guideline to get you to a place to connect with another person. That's, that's good, man. No, I think that, I think that's a really good way to sum it up. Yeah. The, and what's interesting about that is, like I've come across people who really, and that, that's what I would call like, out like in Christian terms. I think that's someone who's really filled with the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. some, and I, I think in maybe more like neutral terms, it's it's someone that's that is. I mean, Jesus says it straight up, right? Like he's asked, "What's the greatest commandment?" Mm-hmm. And and he boils it down to you gotta lo- you gotta love your neighbor as right. yourself yeah. and and love God, right? And 
And I think you're right. I think this idea that not, and, and Jesus also continually shuts down this idea. Like when he, in in Matthew five, he's kind of goes back over the law, the Torah, like the 10 commandments, and he reframes them to make them deeper, like, like soul things instead of action things. Right. Yeah. Where he talks about like, well, it was written that like you, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have sex with your neighbor's wife, mm-hmm. right? Shouldn't shouldn't be shouldn't be banging your neighbor's wives. Right. But what I'm telling you is that if it's even in your heart that you want to bang your neighbor's wife, then you're still doing yeah. it, dude. Like you're still doing it. Like it, it's about connecting at this level where that isn't going to be a thing, right? For you, it, it's a different, and which is interesting because I think that has some really sharp parallels with enlightenment like I've, yeah. as i've heard people talk about enlightenment it's a different like state of being it's like a shift in consciousness mm-hmm. that allows you to have connection at a, at a deeper level and it kind of like it's almost like separating like your animal nature like your evolved animal nature from this other thing that's happening yeah. like this other this other possibility for your existence where you're not just putting on actions that we've all decided are right, but you actually put on like a heart that is figured out, like, and not even figured out. It's like more of like this, it's more of like a flow in my experience. And like, that's what the mystics, like this is the big, another big shift for me was after like some experiences that we'll talk about here shortly. I think there was like a shift where I went from an academic kind of pursuit of my like religious understandings and my spiritual understandings to like this more mystic and experiential, Mm -hmm. like knowing and understanding and flowing. And it wasn't until that second, that latter piece that I realized like, Oh, like I wasn't even sure if that was possible, you know, like I wasn't even sure if I could, like what you talked about, this empathy that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. if I could really, because I was so in my head, I mean, I could barely like exist without anxiety and running off and thinking about all these possibilities of things that could go wrong. I was like either thinking about all the different things that could go wrong in realities that never will exist, right? And burning all this energy doing that. Or I was thinking about a time I really fucked up. And it's like just like really just soaking that up and like living in that moment as much as I could. But where I wasn't was like right now, like what is going on right now? Like who are the people around me right now? And it was like choking out that possibility for me to even connect. Like it wasn't, it couldn't even be on the radar until I could still that still like my mind and bring myself at least to right now. What, what type of things, what type of things were you thinking about whether they were like potential future things or in the past, just like things you felt guilty about or something or. Well, like future stuff would be like, um, like let's say I have like a a presentation at work, right? How many different ways am I going to screw this thing up? Mm -hmm. Right. How many different, like, and when I screw it up so bad that my boss has to call me in the office and say that, eh, like maybe, maybe I should get like totally not a thing that will ever happen, but this is where my brain wants to take me. Right. That's not a reality that's going to come to be, but I'm spending time thinking about that. Right. And then like, and and multiply that by like six potential scenarios, none of which are good. Right. But all contingencies and how I might respond to all these. So my cortisol levels, I'm stressed out as if it's happening to me, but it's not. Right. You know, it's not going to. It's a ridiculous, illogical, like, and I'm a pretty logical dude. That's how I calm myself down. It's like, 
had to think back on my track record and what's brought me here and the fact that like, okay, you're capable, you're good. Like you can chill out. Yeah. Um, well, that was how I used to call myself. And I still do somewhat, but I found like a meditative practice through a lot of this kind of journey through like pain and tragedy yeah. and which is a huge part of my spiritual development and able to tame that mind that runs off. Right. And starves me from the ability to connect with people in mm-hmm. the moment. And, and I think that's like largely what the church is missing. And what's interesting to me is that I don't see a whole lot in the Christian tradition, except for the mystics who have largely been sidelined right. by the modern church. The mystics do have a meditative tradition and a con- uh, contemplative tradition. And I never even knew about them because I grew up in this fairly conservative evangelical community and we didn't talk about these, you know, we didn't talk about the people who claim to actually have a connection to the divine. We talk about theologians, right? right? We talk about scholars. We talk about ideas. We don't talk about heart and connection, right? And experience. I mean, even the charismatics, right? That claim to have this ultimate experience. In a sense, they were the evangelicals that had the ultimate like experience. We're totally vilified in the, the specific vein of Christianity yeah. I was raised in. So right? was I, yeah. They were like lunatics, like speaking in tongues and stuff. We were like, what What crazies, you know? It's nonsense, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. No, I get that. I I, I had that... Uh, I, I always come up with this comparison to kind of piggyback on that because I, I had the same thing. It was like real charismatic Christians, the people that roll in the aisles and speak in tongues and have visions and prophecies and stuff. It was like, those are lunatics. Like, those are crazy people. Uh, We're the real Christians. Those people have lost their fucking minds. Uh, And then to me, now, it was, this is one thing I try to, like, challenge people with is I say, like, what if I, what if I went to, because, you know, there's people in my life that, you know, want me to be a Christian and think I don't understand. But I say, like, what if I, what if I said to you, um, to my, like, my, my family, for instance, uh, who who doesn't really hassle me about it? But if someone that does, if I were to say, yeah, actually, I am a Christian now, and it turns out I have the ability to speak in tongues, and I also have the gift of prophecy, so I can see the future, yeah. and I can, uh, you know, I can tell people what's going to come. Uh, I can heal people. If I tell them that, that's almost like, whoa, dude, like, no, no, now you're too far on the, you know what I mean? So it's like the specific yeah. brand that I'm only allowed to be this specific brand of Christianity. Right. If I have that sort of like mystical experience or something, it's like, well, no, 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 that's not real. Only this specific part is real, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to my point about the fact that, in, in my opinion, the vast majority of the modern, like, Western church is about having a homogenous place where everyone has similar ideas yeah. and language and they feel safe. Right. It isn't, it isn't about encountering like, look, if it was about encountering the divine, then it would, I really honestly think it would be, I don't know if it would be like charismatic church chaos. Part of me think that like I've had, I have had like mystical experiences and I don't, I don't talk about them because sure. that's, that's how mystical experiences work. It turns out is like, as soon as it, I've talked about it a few times with people, and it's like it's it. If I try to articulate it, it instantly cheapens it. And so, like I've right. kind of learned over time, like oh, this is why like the mystics don't really talk about it either. Sure. Like they're not trying to convince anyone of anything. That's what I really like, and that's kind of where I kind of feel the pull. Honestly, like very much like like at, at a pretty deep level, this pull into 
more like almost more like silence this like silence in action you know like just you know the real thing doesn't actually i don't think it really needs to be talked about i think you just demonstrate it and and that's and then it's interesting so part of my part of my movement and it's it's largely because of what we're what we and you are both talking about is why it's so easy to be disillusioned by modern christianity right yeah and it is and i'm i've been disillusioned by it and i still i still claim it right but i've been dis i don't think it's the uh the most authentic thing or i don't even know if it's really the thing i think it's just it's just taken a title because it makes everyone kind of feel a little bit better yeah but i've also kind of i'm also kind of learning to surrender my bitterness over it a little bit because there's lots of people trying to find something right trying to find like more trying to find like relief from pain relief from tragedy right that's shaping them or manipulating them anxiety and all this like we're a real sick culture for how much money and prosperity have a really sick culture and so i'm starting to like find a lot of like empathy and sympathy even for like even for the church, like for the church that kind of, in a way, like harmed me, like yeah. hurt me, right? By the way that it operated, the way that it talked about things. And um, so, I, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I, I sometimes have that too with people. And I, and I, I noticed like, oh, this is like, just open up your mind a little bit. Cause I think a lot of times, at least what I was taught was, uh, close your mind like close your mind yeah keep it closed man don't let the bad ideas in like keep the you know don't ask questions don't you know what i mean don't dig for the answers because i think a lot of times that's encouraged because you're never gonna find them and i agree there's a lot of times it sounds like the church that you found is very much interested in questions you know yeah. Um, and yeah. is it is it willing is it willing to accept the fact that um, they don't have answers? Do you do you know what I'm saying? Do you find that? Yeah, and, and yeah, no, I and I think I think that's at the end of the day, that's the lack of authenticity and transparency that has turned me and a lot like a whole generation, like our the generation like how I don't know how old are you? I'm 29. So, like, our generation is, mm-hmm. like, like piecing out a church at an unprecedented rate. And this is exactly why. Because no one, uh, no, no prominent figures that I can see are really taking these kind of challenges on, like, head on. And just being like, yep, like, life is way more complicated. Like, the fact that most of the church is still debating evolution. A great example, yeah. great example of how disconnected from reality, right? Simply because we can't, we won't come back to the text and think, oh, I wonder if you read this as a completely wrong type of literature. Yeah. That's literally it. That solves the whole thing. Mm-hmm. If we can come back, use some wisdom, right? And say, oh, this, I bet this isn't a science book. you know which it it, it clearly isn't a science book right like i'm not saying there isn't truths about humanity in there i'm saying that's not a book telling you about how things actually came to be right yeah and so it's like and then you get this whole like pitting against science and so people like me and you we are going to hang around for that nonsense like no like look if you can't accept reality for what it is then i'm out like i'm done 
you know, and that's the church is gonna have to sort that out real quick if they want like the mainstream church is gonna have to sort real quick or they're couldn't just I mean they're already rapidly becoming irrelevant. Well, and they do not want to. They don't want to believe that. You know, they really don't. Like I, very close to people that are very conservative, and they don't understand where which direction they're headed at all. Yeah, and that's I don't know, man. All that it's so interesting to me because it's to me it's not necessarily because I'm not a scientist. Like I can't prove that evolution's real. I can't. I can't. I can't prove anything. I'm a big old dummy. But. It's the willingness, it's not even like the willingness to accept science, but it's the willingness to accept the fact that um, they don't know, you know what I mean? There's no certainty, and that's what I can't, and that, and that's, to me, what I think is kind of, has made Christianity irrelevant yeah. to me, because um, it's not that I don't believe, it's just that I don't understand. It's just not, it's not, I couldn't even pretend, because to me, I, I can't wrap my head around it and it's just become it's it's something for other people and it's it's not for me and i i think that's why and and ultimately it's like whatever works for you the christianity that movement is kind of losing steam uh and it sucks because christianity is a religion that that it's based on evangelism and creating more of it you know which is kind of an interesting idea anyway um but that's yeah, that's kind of where I checked out. I checked out on organized religion in general because I, 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 I personally I think it's stupid to kind of have a group of people come together and say we have the answers with certainty. Oh yeah, that's interesting. That's I I really like your uh, like your hum more humble approach to things. The way that I work is like I'll just chew on data forever, man. Yeah. Like it's just like. And it's not like it served me well career wise, but in every other domain, it's something that I have to like rein in, right. you know, cause it, it can run, it can run wild. I mean, I already told you how my brain can run wild, like, right. All these fantasy scenarios where things can go bad. Right. Um, but it, it can definitely like more than anything, I'm just soaking up data points and it's hard for me when I see, it's hard for me to surrender that, you know what? I have a bunch of data points here. Um, but I mean, we could be totally misinterpreting these things too. Right. And that's true. I mean, we, there's a lot of precedents for this, right? We even scientific models where we think, yeah, we got this worked out. Like, Oh, I guess we don't. Right. You know, like, like, like quantum, any like quantum mechanics in general. Yeah. Like that throws, that throws some funky wrenches into things that we thought we had sorted out for a long time. So reality keeps popping up and surprising us and we should probably stop being super surprised by it. I like your approach because you're kind of like not surprised by it. Like, yeah, of course we don't get it. That, that's kind of, that's kind of what it keeps happening is we think we get it and then we don't. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's, it's funny you say that like the humble approach because there's a lot of people that say, you know, uh, a lot of people will call Christians idiots for not believing in evolution, right? But, yeah. In, but in reality, the scientists like Darwin who came up with evolution he understood everything we know it's the theory of evolution so what he's saying is like theoretically i've gathered these data points and this is what i've come up with to say this makes the most sense is it true no it's theoretical because i don't know but here's the information i've gathered so it's that you know science i think innately is just humble enough to say hey we're never going to get to the bottom of this but here's some information we found you know well, that's, yeah, that's a great point. Like, that, you're right. That's exactly how science works is this is, this is 
true until we disprove it. And that's why new theories that can come and disprove old ones are welcomed and embraced because right. that's a, that's a big deal. It's exciting, right? Like, Oh, this model got upset. It's not always awesome. Like, um, you know, there's sometimes there's a lot of math to be redone and try to make fit because we're, we're just, we're trying to model reality. Right. Reality is super, it's super complex. Yeah. That's, that's a, what a ridiculous pursuit, but I love that we do it, yeah. but it's so crazy that we even attempt it. Um, but so, so for me, like, can, can we talk about like my, uh, so I want, yeah, absolutely, man. So here's the thing. So I had an experience. This isn't one that I class. So it's, this is weird. I classify my experiences differently. My mystical, and I didn't mean to do this. I just realized this is kind of naturally how I did it. Like instinctively, anything that I call like a mystical experience is always like a completely sober state. Mm-hmm. I never call, I never call any experience with, with any substance, like a, like a spiritual experience. And I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I guess I do. I do call it spiritual, but I don't call it mystical. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I have these. It's weird. Like, but these are like instinctual. I haven't like thought and pondered. These are like instinctual ways that I label my experiences. Mm-hmm. So I had, um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to think how to brush this. So I felt like I had things pretty kind of neatly buttoned up. Um, and, even though things were kind of falling apart, like me and me and my wife, Sarah, we went through a real rough patch. We're really like close to getting divorced. We were like that pain of like realizing that I've been so locked in my career and I'd lied to myself that I was doing it for my family and hadn't been present for them for like, like two years probably. And um, it was just like, it had just reached a, a pinnacle. And what's interesting is that, um, a lot of, I find that a lot of mainstream, like Christians think that like a relationship with God or the divine is going to spare you from pain. And for me, all the pain and tragedy I've been through have driven me into these like really deep, like, like, I don't know, like important and deep places, right. Of introspection and realizing that things need to shift and change. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like. Like, I don't know that I would have realized how far off base I was, except for like, I got a phone call from my wife. I was on a work trip. I was in Europe and she was like, Hey, I think I want to get a divorce. And I was like, what? Like, it just hit me out of nowhere. I was so oblivious. I was so like myopic in my view of success. I hadn't even realized how vacant I'd been. And she'd been telling me lots of ways. I just was like ignoring and ignoring and ignoring and things just came to a head. And so we did couples therapy for a while. And then it turns out we had these friends that, that um, they facilitate these like plant medicine ceremonies. We had no clue. We had no idea. Wait, like, they, don't just, they facilitate they don't, what? They facilitate plant medicine ceremonies. Okay. So, so it's, it involves what's called entheogens. Are you familiar with the term entheogens? No. So entheogens are, are substances typically naturally occurring, but things like MDMA, ecstasy, sure would be considered like they have different classifications for them, but they, they take a model from this Peruvian. Oh, like an ayahuasca ceremony. Ayahuasca would classify as an entheogen. It's a psychedelic entheogen, but not all, not all entheogens are psychedelic. Okay. So entheogens are substances that, um, facilitate you meeting God, meeting the divine, right? Entheo, like Theo as in like theology. Okay. Theos. Yeah. So, they facilitate these like mystical experiences, basically. That's what they do. 
and people across millennia have used them. Ancient people have used them. Like, you know, ayahuasca is a, a great example of them. But there's a, there's a number of different ones that I didn't even know existed until I met these people. They invited us. Like, they kind of saw, like, our pain and struggle. We were trying to make it work. And they invited us to a ceremony. And I knew that and you start off with your intention like what are you here for you you don't just click come to get a buzz like you show up for something right. specific and so um my whole thing was i knew i had to get present like i showed talk to you earlier about how my mind kind of runs off yeah and it was running off to the point where i didn't know how to get still enough to be with my wife and my family I really didn't like, I finally solved the problem. I didn't want to lose my wife. I didn't want to yeah. you know, get divorced from like, I had two kids at the time. I have three now. And I didn't like, I didn't want this to all fall apart, but I didn't, I, I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to like get myself reined in to be like the husband and father I needed to be. Yeah. Right. Or at least like generally just like the man that I really like wanted to be, I didn't want to be this like vacant, disconnected human being. Yeah. And, and, um, in the midst of all this, I'm like losing my faith. Right. Like, not surprisingly, like nothing seems to be working. Nothing seems to be reconnecting me like with, with myself, with my family, with my, you know, with my wife. And how long had it been? All the things, how long had it right? been since, uh, your wife had told you that? And then now you were like, how long had you been working on, you mm. know, getting back to being more president, president involved in with your family? Like how long had it been? So I probably like, I think we probably had done, I'm trying to think, I think probably like three months. Okay. We did like three months, like probably about six counseling sessions, which was like, it, it just relationships are messy, man. Yeah. Like you hurt each other in so many different ways mm -hmm. and you bury it. You rarely like talk about it. So it becomes this tangled like mess. And you know, counseling is about like looking at the mess and seeing if you can pull a couple strings out, right? right. Start sorting things out. And so we were trying, but like it was, it was like this slow revelation of how much damage I'd done, right. really. Okay. Like, wow. whoa, like because I, because I'd been completely oblivious. Like my heart was shut off. My emotions were like shut off. I was in my head and I was doing this for everybody else. I was doing this to improve all of our status, all of our position. I was getting promoted. Things are going well. And they weren't. It was just a very myopic way to view success. Sure. And I didn't even know that. Like, I was just blind to everything outside of that thing. And so, it wasn't until I got hit with all my inadequacies and how I failed, right? Which is a tough pill to swallow, just to, like, see it and own it right. and accept it. And then, and then after that, it was like, am I capable of being, like, what they need? Right. I never, never even asked myself that question about my family, you know? Like... Can I, can I even be this thing? And so these people saw that. And so that was my intention when I went into the ceremony was like, I need to, I need to get present. Right. Yeah. And so I had done, I had done psilocybin once before, like years before, probably like five years before that. Um, and had like a real big cosmic spiritual experience. It was exactly what I was like engaging it for. And it was very kind of like very romantic, you know, like the romanticized kind of trip yeah, yeah, that yeah. I was looking for. And so I thought I was walking into like a cosmic blast off experience. But the point of these ceremonies is like the exact kind of healing that you need. Mm -hmm. so you tell your intention and then the facilitator decides what you get. And there's lots of different types of, and some of it, it is psychoactive. Like some of it is like psilocybin, right? And, but, but it isn't all. 
and they have different classifications for entheogens. It's like interesting. They have a whole model for like how this works. It's like its own kind of ancient therapeutic model. And that I, I'd never been exposed to. My wife did it before me. I let her go do it by herself. I, I felt like I was losing her anyway. I thought she was going to some weird, like, drug orgy. Sure, yeah. And uh, she called me at, like, 3 a.m. and was like, I want you and the boys. Like, I'm choosing you and the boys. Okay. And I was like, like, she was, like, crying. And I was like, what? Like, that was such a huge weight. And then that's what got me interested. Right. I was like, okay, like, this is something different. This is something, like, truly powerful and different. And so, um, I showed up and I was like, I need to get, like, I need to be present. Like I'm not present and it's destroying everything. I don't know how to get my mind under control. So they gave me this like South African plant in like a capsule and I'd never even heard of it before. I didn't even know it was a thing Mm -hmm. and it was super gentle. It didn't, I didn't blast off into, you know, into outer space. I didn't have like some weird DMT breakthrough and see alien creatures or, you know, magic gnomes or anything sure. it was like it was just like pulled me outside and i sat in the grass they had this huge golden retriever named winfield who i still to this day say is my spirit animal. Uh-huh. and winfield for whatever reason decided he wanted to come and chill with me and he was like begging to go outside they finally opened the door and he came all around like their deck and it came down to this lower level i was like in the basement off the basement door and he just came and laid his head right in my lap. And I just chilled with this awesome golden retriever. And it was like, whatever it did, it was just like, it just brought me to like that moment. And like all the beauty of it, like I could hear, like the birds were just right there in the trees. I could smell everything the wind was carrying to me. And even the breeze on my skin, everything was just like perfect and like beautiful. And this like, as often happens with entheogens and psychedelics, is always some kind of voice or a guide people have different names for it but i just heard this like voice saying like you can come here whenever you want you can sit in the grass anywhere and just chill and just breathe and just be in the moment and that was literally (laughs) that was how a plant taught me to meditate i'd never meditated before that and i meditate still like i literally learned the act of sitting still from taking a plant and that was to tie this back. This is a long tie rate to yeah. tie it back to your humble approach to, we don't really know what's going on. I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Yeah. I didn't. I, and, and the fact that not only could a plant do that, but there were people that were trained and understood these substances enough to bring people into healing exactly the way that they needed it. And effectively in one shot, like one shot, like we've been going to counseling for three months. Well, did, I knew how to get still after that. So it did. So it like you, you, you felt that experience and then it really helped you reconnect. It was immediately after you, you, you felt it and it yeah. got things back on track. Yeah. It wasn't like back on track. It like propelled me into it was transformative. It shifted me up into a place where I could get still. I, I knew the problem, right? right? And it delivered the experience that I needed to continue to replicate. So like neurologically speaking, what happens is you get those, those neural pathways that haven't ever been flexed because I hadn't meditated and gotten still before. The plant brought me to a place where those pathways all get fired up. It's like a light etching, right? 
like it etched these pathways in my brain, like, look, you can do this. And then it made it easier for me to practice it over like the next, man, I want to say like six months. I was, it was drastically different, a drastic shift in my personality. And every time I would repractice that flow of getting still and meditating, it just etched those neural pathways deeper and deeper until it became an easier and easier habit. And that stillness is what that was like my practice for instead of my mind running me, I got to choose when I wanted to turn my mind on and off. So what were what were thoughts just like so that negative cycle that you were in before, what were the type of thoughts that were kind of upset that you were kind of focusing on and that were uh, taking over your your brain that you couldn't that you then, you know, found out how you could kind of ease them like what were the thoughts that you were having and what were what was kind of like taking over i think a better way to describe it than like than like thoughts overwhelming me was i was on i was on autopilot like i was asleep really okay like yeah like i was like what i knew was people expected me to get promoted and make more money and that was good for my family okay and i had like three data points to pursue and there was no nothing else was on my radar the spiritual well-being the physical well-being of myself and my family i started drinking a ton i would come home from work and i would like just like drink whiskey and play video games okay and i didn't even crossed my mind that like my family was like upstairs like waiting for me to show up right to be present to talk with them to like yeah. build relationships to make sure my wife's good she's doing okay that my you know my kids are getting the support that they need it wasn't on my radar yeah. like i was literally like oh like 20 percent of my system was live and i was going through life that way and after having experienced that and woken up from it I, I can see people like in that state. Like I, I talk to people like, Oh, I know what that is. And I don't know what to, I don't have any answers for how to fix it, except maybe give them some antigenic plants. Yeah. Um, but they, you kind of have to be at a place where you're in so much pain and suffering that you're willing to do anything, even some crazy shamanic ceremony. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it's a uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, right. man. Right. And that's where I that's where I was at with it, and I was willing to try anything. I didn't want to lose everything. Like my family was everything to me, and I realized that when I almost was ready to lose it. Um, but that's where, like, for me, that's like pain is. <laughs> I know everyone wants to avoid pain, but pain is the catalyst for transformation, right? Like, if you do it right, it's like an invitation to transformation. You you could just cave to it. And I've had buddies that have caved to it recently. I told you, like, I had two buddies commit suicide, like, pretty much back-to-back in the last two years. Yeah. And um, they caved to it, man. And I get why you would. But he, but inside that, there's also an invitation to to launch forward, to let that, that, that pain, like, change you and form you and move you. And um, in a weird way, that whole ceremony – even though it really asked a lot, asked a lot of questions about like my faith tradition, it reinvigorated in me, like the idea of grace. Yeah. Right. That, like these are just plants that grow out of the ground. Like that, that sounds like, like a gr- something gracious give, given to people that are probably going to crowd their minds with a bunch of dark stuff or, or shut themselves down and get, you know, really myopic views of, of their life and what they should be doing. 
And to have something that grows out of the ground that can spark you alive and wake you up, that was, for me, that was, like, huge. I was like, oh, okay. This isn't just, like, fairy tale stuff. Like, there's something under the hood here. Right. Something that these, something that these stories come out of. Right. Even if it's out of the earth, right. Like out of what happens out of these substances when they interact with us, there's, there, this is, there's a story here. There's a story of grace and transformation. And when I tie that back and look at like the message of Jesus, the Christianity is a, is a religion of transformation. You know, like death gets turned into life. Water gets turned into wine. The blind get turned into seers. Mm-hmm. There's like all of these transformations that you watch happen. If you're paying attention into the story and there's an invitation for yourself to come in and transform as well to become take something of lesser value and turn it into something of greater value like back to what happened with me and um anything that helps people move in that direction i don't care if it's you know entheogenic plants or psychoactive substances meditation or prayer maybe that's all you need is prayer like maybe that does it for you like if it moves you to transformation, to deeper life and deeper love, then I don't know what else we, I don't know what we need more than that right now in our culture right now, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think there is that. Uh, and I, I've noticed that in my, I've noticed that in my own life. <clears throat> there have been certain things where I thought I was doing, I thought I was living the right way. I thought I I had I thought I knew the answer. I thought I was doing the right way and I found myself in very um like depressed and like really feeling awful and eventually I got to the point where I thought, "Oh, I don't care. I need to try anything else. I need to I was like I'm I'm done with everything I thought I knew, everything I believed. Um cuz nothing can be worse than this." So I just tried something new and changed my changed my life and you're right there's just something when you kind of like burn it all down is kind of what you need to do and i this sounds really dumb i'm gonna relate it to this the last jedi i don't like star wars dude i think i, I don't really it's not my thing but in that movie i watched it at a certain time in my life that it really hit me but the movie is about kind of saying like all this dumb force Jedi Sith stuff is stupid and sometimes it doesn't matter and you know everything you live your life for is sometimes it's that's the wrong answer and you got to just be willing to completely let go of everything and try something new and I, I understand like the you know I've I haven't done ayahuasca or any of that but I've been pretty close and I, I tried something something else but it was you know it's you got eventually you get to a point in a lot of times you like you said you had friends who killed themselves um yeah when it's you know maybe just try something radical you know i i do man i'll be honest like i have i still have like regrets mm-hmm uh, like uh, my the last buddy that killed himself was like super hooked in opiates, mm-hmm. and uh, I know like I don't know if you're familiar with ibogaine. No. It's a uh, it's a South African root, but it's like they have clinics in Mexico. And I was literally trying to like calculate what would it cost me to get him down there to get chased down yeah. to a clinic, and it, it it does this crazy thing. It like resets your brain chemistry. So if you're chemically addicted to something it can like shut that all down and give you a reset. 
And like some people go back to their drugs anyway um, because they really like the feeling, right. but it's not because they're chemically addicted. It does away with the chemical addiction. And it's like, it's really harsh. It's like, I kind of want to try it. But that's just because that's just how I roll. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you're like sick for like a day, like 24 hours. And then most people have like these really deep spiritual experiences. And when they come out of it, like physiologically, it's like they didn't, like they haven't like addled their minds with these chemicals and screwed up all their dopamine receptors and all the, you know, all the neurotransmitters get jacked up with an addict gets reset. Yeah. And I look at that and I was like, I was calculating it, trying to figure out, I wonder if I can get chased down here. And, and it didn't, I didn't make it. Like I was, I was like dragging my feet, yeah. you know, like, and I still like harbor like guilt over that because that could have changed his life. Like it changed mine. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, man, I still don't really know. I didn't take him more serious cause I knew how and what rough shape he was in, sure. but, uh, I don't know, but it's, that that's where I'm at. And that's where I was at at this point where this works it's real and i'll be honest like i i don't think it's incompatible with my faith at all and i know that there are christians that would recoil at at what i'm saying right now but i don't know how you can believe in like an all-powerful creator and then say like these mushrooms that grew out of the ground or this plant that grew out of the ground here that's from satan though <laughs> you know that's yeah that's the devil's lettuce. that's the devil's lettuce over there this is all good this is the good creator and that's not and it's like if you believe that there's like a divine force so like i don't know if you're familiar one of my favorite gospels is the book of john mm-hmm. and and at the beginning of john john's like it's this theologian I really like. His name is Pete Enns. He's the book that I've been talking about a little bit. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said that John was on acid when he wrote when he wrote it because he's very very like mystical language that he uses. And it starts off with that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it's like all the Word, like if you go back to Genesis, right? It's like a parallel to Genesis. We can read Genesis where like God speaks everything into existence. And his point is that Jesus, like this salvific force in the universe, was the actual words that came out of the creator's mouth that made everything. Yeah. And so if you're paying attention, like Jesus is the one that delivers like grace and restoration. So grace and restoration are woven into the fabric of reality every all the words of creating all the different pieces that are show up in genesis in the book of john he's saying that was actually like the the spirit of christ that was actually coming out of the mouth right of god it was the word the in buddhism they call it the om Mm -hmm. the om is like the the if you're familiar with that that's it's the same idea i have a cool little pouch with the om symbol on it because that's Christ. That's the Christian idea of Christ. It's the same concept. It's the vibration, the word, right, of God that comes out. And in the Christian theology, that's the creative force that made everything, that brought everything into existence. Yeah. And I think that makes sense, that if there's like a, a gracious creative force creating things, moving existence into happening, why wouldn't there be little sprouts of race coming up i sound like a hippie right now i get that but like why would there not be woven into the creative into creation right into the earth 
like sprouts of grace, like, you know, like ayahuasca, like the South African plant that I took, like ibogaine also from South Africa, I'm pretty sure. Um, all kinds of these, you know, different uh, MDA is naturally occurring, which MDMA is made in the laboratory, but we know where that substance comes from naturally occurring. And there's, there's just so many of these different plants that like open our hearts and our minds and connect us in these really like special and unique ways. And it, it's captivated people for all of time, like back to the shamanic where like everyone rallied around it, but you even come up like to the sixties with the resurgence, right? Everyone was just so amped, Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert. Like, those guys encountered this stuff and were just, they know what to do. Like they want to share it with everyone and it just freaked everybody out. <laughs> like that's, largely why things have been in my opinion in the west all this stuff's been covered over because no one knows what's going to happen like what happens if everyone like connects with the divine right if these things are connecting us back with that grace you know mm-hmm. then and that you know that restore the restorative force of the universe like what would happen like how would that reshape society like what would happen to our power structures and it's been a large way it's it's the same fear the Pharisees had with Jesus. Like, this guy's going to shake everything up. We can't have it. We got to kill him. Right? It feels really similar to that to me. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I love it so much. It's why I love everything about, like, entheogens and psychedelics and the culture that I'm watching this whole new resurgence start to happen. Like, it's re- and the internet is just a force amplifier for it. It's really fascinating. Yeah, no, I I think I think uh kind of like another I don't know what if you'll agree with this, but uh another like you say restoration and and I think another way that I kind of see it is uh just a similar word but just uh perspective. You know, just that re- restoration mm. being something like oh, you're restored to like like the reset where like you know, like you were talking about with um opioid addiction just having it it just a mental reset of like getting perspective and saying oh whoa 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 we can you know like you said like the experience you were having you know when you were so wrapped up in work your perspective was all fucked up you know you just didn't yeah you were what you thought was important what you were doing you were so wrapped up in it if you can hit that reset if you can get some of that restoration from the ground you know from the ground you can take a second and be like, Oh my gosh, like where did, where have I been? You know? That's a great way to put it. I like that. You have like a knack for that, like neutral, like third way kind of position, like where it's like a little bit less, I don't know. I still have a lot of that language, that binary language. I'm trying to shake it a little bit. Right. Like there's like a third way. It's not like you're dark and broken, but I think that's exactly what it is largely. And this has been a lot of my, uh, a lot of my like healing and, and Sarah's healing too has been realizing that the, just like you said, you said perspective, like realizing there's a different way to look at this and the very act of, I teach these classes on like theories of personality. And I tell people this all the time that we often think that we have to like this, like 2% of the work is seeing the problem. And then 98% of it is like some kind of like wrestling and toiling and like, you know, like pummeling, whatever the thing is that dominates us. Like for me, yeah. like my mind's running rampant. I got to like wrestle with it and beat it into submission and find, you know, it's going to be grueling uphill battle. 
But what I find is the inverse. 98% of the work is just seeing it. Yeah. You just got to see things as they are. Yeah. And there's like a healing property in seeing things properly and see, actually seeing reality as it is. And then 2% of it is like building mechanisms that keep you from slipping back into those old habits, yeah. which will happen. Like that is, there's a real reason you started there. Are you baseline there? So you've got to have mechanisms to keep you from sliding back, to keep your eyes open and keep your awareness there. So you can keep your perspective that you've gained. But most of the work is really just seeing things as they are, gaining the proper perspective, which is exactly what you're saying. And I, I, that's, a, that's in my mind, in, in, in my experience, that, that's like the, the path to healing and restoration is seeing things clearly and truly. It's harder than it sounds because we'll dupe ourselves into thinking we have it figured out. And then yeah. you don't know if it's real or your ego is just tricking you into thinking you've got things sorted. Because we were <laughs> way at the beginning of our conversation, we talked about all these conservative Christians that had everything wrapped up neat and nice, yeah. right? They had it all figured out. And you can become a version of that, regardless of whether it's Christian or not. And I bumped into lots of people of different flavors, religious, a-religious, whatever, that they have that same issue that they're dealing with that they think they have it all wrapped up and figured out and if you don't hold this what i've been calling you're like home that humble spirit if you don't hold yourself in this position of i can't possibly have figured all of reality out you have to hold that in front of all your ideas right because otherwise you're going to slip into being a pharisee of some vein or another yeah yeah. You know? Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I. I do that all the time. I just. Anytime I feel. Anytime I catch myself being like, "Yep, got it. I know it's all about figuring it all out. Got the answers. I know." I'm like, "Something's gonna rock my world." And I'm gonna be like, "Oh, I don't know. Shit. I. You know what I mean? You just. I know it's coming. I've. I've thought I knew the answers way too many times. So. Yeah. That's. I mean, for me, that's what the plant medicine ceremony was. Yeah. It was like this massive smack across my consciousness. Like you thought you had things figured out. Like what if this can actually teach you something? Like what does it mean that a plant could teach you something yeah. that would like stick with you for the rest of your life? And it was like I had to reform my whole worldview around this. Like because you can't just deny it. Like experiential knowing is like the deepest, most like solid type of knowing that you could have, yeah. right? Like if I read something in book i can read counterfacts i can refute it it's different but if you bodily like take in a truth and experience it it's, it's like so hard to shake that it's like nearly impossible to shake it and in my mind that's what that's what entheogens and psychedelics do they're they're experiential knowing and learning and in a lot of weird ways they they almost put me through these like experiences of things that I had read, like things that I had heard people talk about or read in the Bible and stories about my faith. And then these have like put me into the actual embodiment of the thing, right? Yeah. Like there's some really trippy stuff in the Bible. Um, like Daniel has a bunch of weird things he sees when he's like doing, he's seeing dreams or interpreting dreams. Mm -hmm. Like, animals with like four heads like i i've seen that shit yeah <laughs> like i yeah i know what he, i know what he's talking about and it like there's something about like the psychedelic experience that 
actually tied me to my faith tradition because it's like, oh, this is the place that all of this weird shit comes from. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is that like ground of you know story that all this stuff erupts out of. Like all this weird psychedelic spiritual language, it comes from a place, and um, turns out like we have the ability to access it, to go there and to see it, and. I don't know. And it's also connecting with a lot of really cool, interesting people that I never would have connected with otherwise. It's, uh, there's another interesting thing that happens specifically with psychedelics that they can clinically observe. Um, there's a, it, there's a, um, a clinical, like, I don't know what to call it. It's not a, not a personality test. It's, there's different psychological domains. I think it's the best way to put it. It's called the big five. And, one of them is openness, trait openness. And people that take psychedelics, their trait openness increases like exponentially. And for most people, I think it's like 70, 75% of people, it's like a permanent shift. And trait openness is like your appeal to like the arts and music and new ideas, right? Exploring new ideas and being open to new ideas. Yeah. And these substances specifically make you more make you open up across that domain and i've taken the big five after a number of psychedelic experiences and i'm in like the 98th percentile mm-hmm. of open trade openness and i think you kind of talked about this earlier about how christianity just seems so closed off yeah and 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 in my opinion it's because it's scary to invite a bunch of different types of people and like what are they going to say ideas. what are they going to yeah, do for sure you know um, and maybe it, maybe it's even largely a product of evolution, right? Like you wouldn't want a bunch of mixed species like hanging out in the same like area, right? Like they would always like war and fall, even like, you know, just like primates, not even getting into like Neanderthals or anything. Like we know primates are brutal, man. They'll like maul each other if they come into each other's territories and they'll go on hunting parties. Like you can be like a really similar or the same species and just be a different tribe. They just seem to know that like you're out and this tribe's different. They'll maul each other. So it's almost like maybe a remnant of that, that we, you know, that we still are kind of pandering to, but it seems to me that once you start opening yourself up to like new ideas that you also open yourself up to a much broader scope of love because as much as Christians know that the Bible calls people into love, they're at least in my, this is all in my experience with Christians. My experience with Christians is that they talk about love and they judge really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, that's, that was a, one of my first major turnoffs was when I realized, like I grew up in a really weird environment with a bunch of juvenile delinquents and, um, I, and I got to know them as human beings. And I know what people outside of this community that I grew up in, how they talked about them that were supposedly Christians and like these like really loving, like uniquely loving people talked about them. And it was like one of my first things was like, I think something's off. I don't think this is the thing that they, I don't think they're doing the thing they think they are, you know? Yeah. There's a, <laughs> it's a lot of semantics of what, you know, what right. the thing is. It's like, uh, okay, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I'm always, um, I try to be neutral with like, oh, you know what, you think you're doing this, and that's good. But in reality, there's a lot of times where I tell, I'm like, I, I fundamentally think like, oh, you're wrong. Like the way you're interpreting this is completely not 
what it was meant to be interpreted as. And sure, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not. I'm like, you fucked up. You somehow got it in your head that this is love and what love is. And, you know, that's arrogant of me. But I, I still think like, and it is like a lot of pity. Like we were talking about earlier. It's like, oh, you poor thing, you have this. Because it's like, it makes you sick. It makes you sick being hateful and hating something and having that negative energy. So I, I do sometimes, I'm like, man, you poor thing. Like, let it go, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Like, I'll be honest, my the first time I ever did psilocybin was literally, I never did, I never did any psycho, I still have never done a psychedelic for like, recreational purposes mm-hmm. like they've all been good but they haven't they're not usually fun yeah you know right. I, don't, I don't know how else to put it but the first time i ever did um psilocybin was to talk with god about the doctrine of hell specifically i was pretty pretty young i guess it was like 10 years ago now and like that was the whole point because that that idea was so toxic to me like it was it was like literally causing me psychological torment. And I was trying to wrestle with this idea. Like, like how could this like be true? And like, I'd heard people talk about psychedelics before and, you know, having these mystical encounters and spiritual experiences. So I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot because it was just like, I had to, I had to get answers, right. you know? And it like, and the, and, and the Bible wasn't clear enough for me. And the people around me like embraced it, like in this freakish way, like what a horrible idea, what a horrible idea that like 98% of humanity is going to like burn forever. Right. You know? And, and, uh, and so like that was in a weird way that pain, again, this is like pain being a catalyst for transformation, that psychological pain that that doctrine that was so lodged in me for, you know, since I was young, um, it drove me into this place that broadened my openness and drove me into like a more like deeper trying, like trying to sort things out at a deeper level and understanding that was, I mean, that was the first time that I was like, Whoa, like why, why can this happen? Like, why can this, why can this mushroom give me an opportunity to like converse with the divine or or whatever this thing is that I'm talking to. Right. That seems to have answers. It seems to understand me and have answers. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, man, that, that was, uh, this whole journey as weird as it is, this like Christianity and psychedelics and what seems to be some kind of connection between like the, like this inner psychedelic landscape that you encounter when you take psychedelics and some really interesting parallels with things that I read in like Holy scriptures, the Bible, but not just the Bible, man. If you read like, some Hindu texts like the Vedas and stuff like there's a lot of weird shit and imagery in there. And it just makes you wonder, like maybe this, it's all arising out of the same landscape, right? We just have this ability to access it through these plants, but you know, or mycelium, but there's, there's more, maybe there's more to this. Maybe there's some, there's a more interesting connection, you know, between like the earth and the divine as we call it and God as we call it. Right. And uh, I'll be honest, I start to hear myself talk and I'm like, oh, like, I think the hippies were probably onto something. Yeah. You know, like, I really, I do. Like, I start to, like, connect these dots and I'm like, oh, I, they were pretty much saying this, I think. I think this is exactly what they were experiencing and saying. And it freaked people out. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's a good it's a good practice to just not call bullshit on it everything right and take a second and say well you know what maybe these dumb hippies might be onto something and at least check it out you know yeah no i i think that's a man i think that's a great practice i have a hard time with it even with all the stuff you just heard me say i'm still i'm still like second guessing and 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 i still like i still don't share like my actual sober mystical experiences which i constantly scold myself when i doubt them because they're almost like fuck you anchors yeah like you know in a way that like i don't know how what else to call them but fuck you anchors like try and explain this away right i literally without going into too much detail i the the first like mystical experience that i had i was like googling brain tumors because like somebody totally sober shouldn't have experienced that right and so and i was like trying to figure out what the symptoms were and i was like getting ready to go to a medical checkup like that's how that's how much it like shook me up and like shifted me in a completely sober state and it's like i remember immediately after just just like this over and over just saying like what do i do with that like what am i supposed to do with this like what am i supposed to do like over and over just repeating that like what okay this thing happened what am i supposed to do yeah like is there like you almost feel like i it's like this we like like something epic happened there obviously should be some kind of recourse for me but i i don't i I don't know what to do with it i don't know what there's something to be done with this and um I, i still don't know what to do with it you know except that every time that i get hyper skeptical that fuck you experience pops up and i'm just like yeah but what do i do with that yeah like what what actually happened here like what's actually going on yeah uh which is why i think i really like your like more like humble approach to things because at the end of the day if i calculate smash all this experience together i have to be honest i have no clue what's going on yep but I mean, you're you're searching. I don't know. It's it's uh like I have no clue, but I'm I'm still trying out here. I'm still trying to put the pieces together and make sense of it all. You know. Yeah. And and, and it's hard for me to find fault with people that want to that want to part with all the mystery and ambiguity and try to like force some kind of certitude. Yeah. Which I think is largely what I'm complaining about when I talk about like the modern Christian church. Sure. They're just they're just trying to impose certitude where there isn't any. And they all kind of rally together and agree to like nod, like, yep, that's it. This is what it is. And it makes everyone just feel a little bit better. And part of me is like, I get that. Like, I was kind of, I was there. Like, I've been there. I liked, I liked to feel like I had the answers. But there's something uniquely exhilarating about just embracing the mystery of reality. Yeah. Like, like even if I strip away all of this and like none of this happened, just the fact that we're here at all, like, like just two conscious minds able to talk over this device that humans created, right. like across, across the country. Like, this is fucking crazy. Like it, why are we even here to have this conversation? Like this, none of this should really be happening. Right. Like yeah. statistically speaking, how is this a thing that could happen aside from like anything divine, anything spiritual at all, all random happenstance, how is this possible that this is ha- like, I'm still in awe. Even if I take out all of what we just talked about, I'm still sitting here. Like, this is crazy that this is a thing that's happening right now. 
that I'm experiencing this right now is yeah it's I can't get my head around it you know it's it's I'm still in awe and then you add all the other shit in and it's just like okay I'm just dumbfounded I I don't have answers yeah and that puts me in a weird category it puts me in a weird category because I love I love the people I go to church with and it's a lot of different types of people and them I could talk like this with and some of them would not know what to do with this yeah (laughs) they wouldn't know what to do with me if i talked like this you know yeah i I think that's the thing it's just kind of like just you don't gotta make sense of everything man and i think that's i've learned to love that is the fact that i'm not gonna make sense of everything everything's just kind of happening to me i'm just taking notes you know and it's amazing yeah no so and that's uh it's a beautiful thing to surrender too and it flies in the face of a lot of what we try to do, like this whole, like we're like post enlightenment. Although, like this, our postmodernist movement is kind of like what, like we kind of grew up in like a more postmodernist subculture that's more okay with the ambiguity and things being relative, not having hard facts and hard truth. So maybe we have like a unique advantage to like embracing reality as it is, just because like of the era we happen to like you know, come to consciousness within. Yeah. Um, that, uh, part of me wonders that too, because I, I talk to my dad and I can tell that he has like, so many, like those deep etched neural pathways that he just can't skip out of, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I could probably give him some mycelium that would help him with that, but I haven't done anything like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I was going to bring that up with my dad. I love my dad. He's great to talk to, but if we ever get in anything in, in this realm, uh, it sucks. It sucks because I love my dad. He's super smart. One of the smartest people I've yeah. ever met. But it's just like, it sucks he won't engage, you know? It kind of comes back around tell, to, you know, uh, this is what the answer is, you know? Tell him to take some plant drugs. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I think he's pretty opposed to it. And uh, in a lot of ways, I kind of like appreciate the way he is. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, it, and it's probably a selfish thing for me, but I, I almost don't want him to change because I like having him as a constant and, you know, knowing that there is someone out there that has some certainty is kind of nice, but it does kind of suck that I can't have a philosophical debate with him, you know? Do you think that he's missing out on, like, some deeper life experiences because of how entrenched he is? Um, I want to say no for some reason. I, I, because I do think he, I, I know my dad in particular, um, he's pretty certain. So it's not where I see something in him where I, I see a man that's afraid to open his mind. Um, I, I really, I see a guy that really is certain in what he believes. So it doesn't bum me out or any sort of way when I, when I talk to my dad, because, uh, I really, (laughs) I talk to people who I don't think really have faith, but I think they can, they like to play the, you know, they like to play along, but, uh, he's really certain in what he believes. And I think he truly believes it. So, uh, no, I, I, I don't, not for him, you know? You think if we took like five dried grams, he would still have the same position? Um, I have I I have no idea. I have no idea. 
Couldn't tell you. Just slip it to him. Slip it to him in a drink or something. Yeah, I would. It would out. like. Yeah, I don't know. It would. Uh, don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Right. I talked with my buddy about that. People who dose people at like yeah. parties and festivals. I'm like, dude, that's so fucked right. up. I would never do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So It'd up. be interesting if someone yeah. else did it to him though. What he kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, remove yourself from the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If someone, like if it, it happened like to, you know, it'd be very interesting to see. Ah, man, I. That's interesting that you like you think. Is we're we're different in the fact that you you find his certitude like to be a strength. Yeah, and, and I I feel like I feel like it's kind of cowardice. Like that's the, what comes up to me is people who, and and I'm saying this like talking to myself too. Like when I come out and say that I'm certain of something, it's because I'm I'm like actually kind of scared to admit that. It's like it's like a way to bolster my own, you know, like position. It's like I'm certain there's like an afterlife and it's going to go down yeah. like this. And the truth of the matter is, when I get still and silent, it's like I don't know, man. Like I hope I hope it plays out this way. I think it would be cool if it played out this way. If I blink out of existence, I guess I'm just done thinking anyway. So what's that matter? Yeah, you know, like I I don't know. Like I I feel like that's a really comfortable way to exist but I, I struggle I used to find it like I used to find it really like encouraging to me when I was more like staunch in my faith sure. and then I found it kind of endearing as I started asking deeper questions about things and really study honestly what it was was studying the Bible like academic yeah. because that really shines a light on all the things people take as like certitudes about the theology dude there's so many ways to look at these things and translations and the different, I mean, dude, I can't, it's insane the number of things that you could look at historically and grammatically that you're like, oh shit, like we, we sort of missed this whole point here, I think, yeah. you know, because we don't think like ancient Bronze Age people, right? And that's what a lot of the Old Testament texts were written to across the whole timeline. And it's, it's just more, it comes, I feel like we said this a lot, it's more complicated than the way that we bun things up. And when I, when I see people that think they have it all sorted out, unless it's sorted out in the sense that they're just resting. This is the one caveat I'll give. If you're just like resting in the fact that the universe is built for good, and it's like a, there's a good force, what we call like God or the divine, is like running through it and creating it and moving through you, then I can deal with that. Because I, I mainly because I've I've experienced that truth myself, yeah. and it, but if it's like I've got all the right ideas about like how humans ought to like move and behave in the world because I read this book with all these ancient people talking through letters and you know history books and wisdom books and so I've got this like kind of sorted out. I, to me, it's just like, dude, I know that you want it to be that simple. It's just not. And I don't see it as a virtue. And I, I kind of wish I, I wish I could, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. And I feel that too. I, I'm trying to think why I feel this way. I think it's because I think he does have a genuine sense of curiosity and wonder. Uh, okay. But it's just, it's kind of based on a couple things he believes is absolute truths. Uh, do you know what I mean? So, in that way, I'm like, okay, he can, he, you know, I'll, I'll let him, I'll let him have it. Uh, but I know what you mean. But for some reason, it doesn't. Other than the fact is I, I, that I would like to kind of, 
you know, you know, uh, go through. Talk about yeah, like, more exactly. Stuff. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, and my, it's same thing with my brother too. There's a lot of things that, um, yeah, I, w- I would like to. But is your brother like still a Christian? Yeah, he's a Christian. So and he's yeah. So he's got a. So they they can they can kind of talk and be on the same wavelength together about this uh-huh. kind of stuff. But for me, it's kind of like I don't I don't really engage because there's a there's a disconnect there but so you're you're like so first off i kind of forgot we we're talking about your dad i'm not shitting on your dad oh no he does um it's, he's, I, he's, so what i kind of did was draw a caricature of like a bunch sure. of people i know yeah. and it's not necessarily your dad at right. all. your dad could be like a real big truth seeker and still be like solid oh yeah like totally. I, I totally yeah. i can i totally can see that i don't find a lot of christians that are like really looking right uh really exploring and the ones who really are um, find psychedelics yeah. <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. And my, then again, this is my bias, right? My bias is like, if you're really looking for it, you're gonna you're gonna fucking sure. blast off, and then we're gonna have some real conversations, right? right. Um, and, and and who knows, man? Maybe I'm maybe I've got it all wrong. Like I'm also open. Like my trait openness also means I'm open to me having all of this wrong too. But I don't know what else to do. But this, like, what else? I don't know how else to exist, but the way that I do, right? Yeah. Um, but you, so you're, what you just defined to me is like, that's like my older brother. So my older brother is like the only one of us that's like not a Christian. And for him, like the deal breaker was that he dated this Pakistani girl who grew up in a Zoroastrian and not like Zoroastrian home. Like there are Zoroastrians that like claim Zoroastrianism, but it's really a bloodline religion. Like they actually are tied to blood. Like they still have lineages. They track back to Zoroaster. Mm-hmm who was like basically their Jesus figure. I mean, very, like very, very close to Jesus. If not, I mean, Same. extremely similar. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, and it's very old. Um, like, I don't know if this is true. I haven't like fact checked it, but it, it might be even older than the story of Jesus as far as like when it was written down. Mm. Right. Um, and so that really rattled him a lot. Like when he started dating her and learning about Zoroastrianism, and it kind of gave him this like global like scope and scale of things, which I'll, I'll be honest, like that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Like yeah. if everyone has to know the name like Jesus, right. And say magic words about Jesus to be in the cool kids club. that don't burn forever. Then a lot of people are fucked, man. Just by ge- geographical region. Yeah. I said, this is a tired argument. No, I know yeah, that but, lots of people have said yeah. this, but that's a, that's a tough sell, for man. Sure. Like that's a tough sell for a loving God. Like that's a, in my mind, that's a totally legitimate critique. And, um, that really was kind of what set him. I mean, he was, he already really wasn't like, uh, a believer. Right. I don't think like in any like real sense before that, but that was like a really solid like fence post for him. And I think it's a legitimate one. I think there's, I think there's really something worth exploring there. And he, I think he kind of feels that same way. Like he can't, I don't feel like he, he can really talk to, it's interesting because I mediate, like I talk with Tim and I talk with my dad and they like, I like my dad would be like, I had this conversation with Tim and it was really hard. I thought I was saying something really simple and he got really offended by sure. it. And I'll like hear, from, and then I'll hear from like Tim's side. Cause we're like tight. Like we're like brothers. Yeah. Me and my dad are really close too. And I'll like hear it from like both sides and I can hear the disconnect. And it's, it's kind of, I thought it was almost exactly what you just articulated. I think that 
Tim's like trying to dig for like a deeper conversation and dad just keeps bringing it back to like, well, Jesus right. and Christianity and Jesus and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And Tim's like, but what about everyone else yeah. that, you know, like what about all these other people? And uh, like, I'm somewhere on the cross section of all of that, I guess. Yeah, that's a, I mean, sure, it's a tired argument, but at the same time, that's kind of one thing that I'm like... I don't mean a bad argument. Yeah, no, but it's, 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 yeah. Uh, it's obvious. It's obvious, and it's obvious for a reason, but it's it's one thing that I think, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what it is. To me, it's not even that I'm, like, upset with Christianity and the idea, like, how could a loving... I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't, like, it's just, to me, it doesn't ring true, like I could, I could tell you, yeah, that's the way it is, and God reveals Himself to everyone in one way or another. I could say that, but in my head, I'm like, nah, probably not, though. You know, <laughs> right, right. Like, just probably that's that's weird. That's a weird thing to believe, and yeah, it's it's, and also when you talk to someone that's very like you know, um, like this you know Pakistani girl, uh she's probably very you know she's probably her family's probably very zealous about their faith and when you talk to someone that's equally zealous just about another type of religion you realize oh what like it's all the same it's all like everyone's the same like everyone has a different belief and they're all very passionate about their belief and they believe that you know their their god is the one true one so i don't know you realize because like to me now I find Christianity as, you know, uh, as I, if anyone thinks that they're worried about how I perceive myself as possibly going to hell, it's it's the same as if someone like a uh, an Islamic person told me I'm going to hell. I would interpret it the same way as a Christian, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so. yeah, and see, here's the thing. Like, at the same time that I'm saying all of this, all of my transformative experiences sober and otherwise influenced have been distinctly Jesus flavored. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I was at a point in my deconstruction of my faith that I was, I was just ready to like not believe anything. Yeah. And then all these kind of events hit around the same time. And at, I mean, short, really quickly after that plant ceremony, I encountered the Franciscans, uh, Father Richard Rohr, he's a Franciscan monk, uh, priest, actually, and uh, is a mystic. And I was introduced to this whole line of mystic Christians. And I was like, these are my dudes. Yeah. Like, I didn't know these people existed. These are them. And the Franciscans have this great idea about living where you don't tell people how to live, you show them. Right. And that's how they move in the world. And like, that's, that's what I want. Um, I was telling my buddy Catalino, uh, we're dabbling with maybe starting a podcast. This is my, my buddy who's a Hindu. Um, and we, uh, I was telling him that there's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in you telling me how like spiritual you are. I'm interested in how your like spirituality has anchored you through pain and suffering and how it's moved you into places like greater love and community and bringing people together because if, if this God's out there, that's t- this God who's love, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's literally like the essence of the driving kind of engine of the universe. Then that's how it's going to show up. Yeah, It's going to look, I think it'll look like that. The best that I can figure it out, it's going to look like that. And so I'm, I want to find people like that. And I found Kat because he embodied it. 
but he's not from my faith tradition. Right. And, and there's this whole tradition of mystics hanging out with people that aren't in their faith tradition. Zen Buddhists hanging out with Christians, Franciscans hanging out with Hindus. Like there's all this interesting interplay across the mystics of all different traditions. And I have a whole book on it right now that I've, I've read a little bit ago. And I think that's really interesting. Like, I think if there's a divine force moving, I think it would probably look like that. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, and, and I, that's, I'll be honest. I feel like that's my, that's what I'm called into across all of my experiences. That's where I feel myself like kind of called into already. And, um, that's a weird place to be like talk about being closeted as far as Christianity is concerned. Like it's, I think I'm in a community right now that's okay with it, but by and large, I don't know. He, he, he had to, he moved to New York. Um, he, uh, to, to be with his little girl who's, who's awesome. And he gave me a parting gift of, uh, Shiva is like his, like the avatar that he really is like into. Like, it's like, he, he kind of feels like it embodies him and he's really cool the way he talks about it. And he gave me this big tapestry of Shiva doing like, it's like on the one legged stance, standing on this weird little devil baby. And I have it up in my office. I have no religious iconography yeah. anywhere in my office at all. Like, I don't like, I didn't come from a tradition that did like crosses on the wall. Like, like that's more like Catholic. I feel sure, like, yeah. And like, or like Jesus or anything. And so I have like a Shiva like draped on my wall and it's like, I have people over from my church, you know? And I'm like, I, you know, I'm just going to do this. Like I'll, I'll explain it. Sure. To them, yeah. But like, but this is also kind of part of that like broader scope of love. Like I, I love cat. Like he's my brother mm-hmm. and he's not from my faith tradition. And we have really interesting conversations and we don't really hold any judgment for each other. And that tapestry of Shiva, like it holds all of that. Yeah, you know that's 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 part of it, and I don't know how else to say it. And I get it that there are people that think there's borders and boundaries here that I'm crossing. I just don't know what else to do. You know, it's just yeah. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't know what else to do either. It's all I can do. I'm not. I'm just gonna be authentic with how I feel and what I believe, and you know, non-judgmental, and just try to keep an open mind. You know. Yeah. What's your, uh, okay, so to wrap it up, because I do have to pee. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. wh- Dude, I peed twice while you are talking. No way, how, dude, yeah, you're a maniac. Uh, yeah, I'm ultra powerful. Nice, well, I've got to sit on my computer. But uh, all right, so what I've been doing lately is what is like a takeaway that you'd want to give someone? And granted, you're not saying this is the right answer, but what is something that you would maybe tell your past self or you would tell someone, hey, I'm Steve Van Cleek and here's here's something I wish I would have known earlier or here's a nugget you maybe could learn from my struggle, you know? Oh, um, and you don't have to you don't necessarily have to it can just be any of like the ideas no no i I want to that's a that's a really really good question i always like opportunities to i speak in paragraphs if you haven't if you haven't noticed why yeah so i always relish i always relish opportunities to like exercise that distillation process Uh, so give me a sec let me just it's definitely about love yeah um I think it's, I think it's this, I think it's that 
there's no upper limit to how much you can love. So don't ever assume that you've like you've achieved love, that you've achieved like the pinnacle of love. Mm. There there's there's more. There's something more. Interesting. So kind of the thought of um I mean that's it's kind of what we were talking about in, you know, thinking you have the understanding, but in the context of loving something or loving someone, there's always yeah, there's always more. Yeah, and it goes even like uh, it goes even deeper. Like that's my point. Like it's like I think at my the point where I was like most really like connected with the present moment. I was we were I was driving with my dad across there's a there's a a causeway here it goes over the bay Tampa Bay called the Courtney Campbell and we were talking about spiritual stuff and I said we were talking about God and I said even this like even us driving across this causeway and the sun's beaming down on us and those photons from the sun are hitting our skin and converting to vitamin D, which impacts our neurotransmitters in our brains. And it's like everything about this reality is like, if you look deep enough, there's love underneath it all. Like it's just this beautiful like tapestry of interconnected chains. And you could like, everyone should chase this down because you will bump into stuff and you'll think, but that's not love. Flesh eating bacteria, that can't be love, right? Yeah. Children dying, that can't be love. But like I'm not gonna give anyone answers, sure. but chase sure. like you gotta chase that all down because I'm not certain of many things, but you can find you can find like the love underneath all of it. And it's not straightforward and it's not it's a mystery. It's a mystery, but I've seen it and I've experienced it and it's changed my view of reality. And the fact that I now view the universe as a good place that's driven by like this force of like goodness and love has opened up so many opportunities for my family, for myself. It's alleviated anxieties and fears. And I, and I full, wholeheartedly believe that I have finally at the age of 34 figured out what it looks like uh, for like a Christian, like someone who really believes that Jesus came and conquered like death and fear to live and exist. And it's taken me a long time to actually get a glimpse, to get a sniff of it. And it's, it has tan, like real tangible results if you can get there. But it's not like a, it's not a race. Like the journey is super, super, super important. And I think there's a lot of ways to get there. But I just, I want, I think people need to really figure out how to get there and to move towards it. And underneath all of that, the only way you get there, I think the only way you actually see it, the only way you can get close to sorting out all of the, the implications of this is to get still and to get silent. If you're, all you're doing is pumping your mind full of noise and your, and your mind's anxious and racing and running off, like, you won't find it. You won't be able to see it. You have to be able to still yourself. Yeah. And if you can't, and if you can't still yourself, then find a plant that will still you 
<laughs> that's that's um, underneath underneath all of this. That's what I think antigens and psychedelics are. They are. There's so much noise. We're ramping, 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 ramping up noise. I'm sorry. I know you got to piss. No, and and we're, we have we're, like technology's been great and it's been awful all at the same time. And we are the loudest we've ever been for each other. We're we're buying each other's attention and clicks. I mean, you know this yeah. with web dev. Like this is SEO. Like we have whole positions of people paid to get your attention, to grab you, to feed you things, tell you what you need, tell you what, where you're deficient. You have to disconnect. You have to get still if you want to even come close to sorting this out. And if you can't do it yourself like I couldn't, there are there's there's grace built in <laughs> to the planet yeah, that can help you do it. Yeah, I mean, I know you mean, dude. Sounds wacky, hippie, wonky, but I, I know. I, I guess will, I'm over that because yeah. I'm not even giving the caveat anymore. Yeah, dude, I I agree. I I think uh, when it comes down to it, I think it's definitely something people should try. You know, especially when it's really. Dire. I did too. Yeah. In the right, like, don't try it at a death metal concert. Like, try it for real with intention with people that know it and understand it. Yeah. I'm not just saying willy nilly. Like there are there are rules. There's safety. There's right. real ways to do this that can lend you insights and information to yourself and how to move better in the world. Yeah, do drugs responsibly with intention. <laughs> right, right. Yes, please, please do it responsibly. Well, awesome, man. I really appreciate you doing this, dude. Man, this is awesome. I uh, honestly, I thought this would be harder than it actually was so it's uh, i appreciate you reaching out man this is good of course man you take it easy say oh yeah say goodbye to everyone uh thanks everybody cool all right take it easy steve peace 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 later